Good morning, church family. Good to see you in the house of God. Looking forward to diving into the Word today. We are wrapping up our series, When Life is Hard, God is Good. Uh, on Tuesday morning, uh, got several phone calls and uh, messages from Nicaragua. Our pastor, Fabio uh, Flores, uh, which many of you met uh, last fall. He was here uh, on the stage, and uh, we administered alongside of him for a number of years in Managua, Nicaragua, uh, died during the night with a massive heart attack. Uh, early 50s, 25-year-old uh, son, 22-year-old daughter. And uh, we, we were looking forward to serving alongside of him here later in June uh, with our mission team that leaves on uh, June 23rd. Uh, so he is uh, going to be sorely missed, his family, obviously, uh, church family. He was a church planter, missionary, and uh, has started about seven or eight churches in, in uh, Nicaragua, and we've had an opportunity to, to minister um, multiple churches with him, with Vacation Bible Schools. I've preached in his church multiple times. I was sharing with our staff this week some of the craziest uh, preaching opportunities I've ever had have been in his church. Uh, you know, uh, they say bring everybody to church. Uh, I've been preaching and dogs are running down the aisle uh, in the service. Uh, chickens come in the building in his church. Uh, I had one guy uh, just a few years ago, I think it was uh, Savannah was on that trip, my, my oldest daughter. And I'm up there preaching and, um, you know, a, a guy comes in, no shirt on. You know, in Nicaragua, you just kind of, whatever, you go with it. And uh He's uh, walking down the aisle, and you can tell he's on some kind of drugs, uh, probably intoxicated as well. But he's walking down, and he's sh shaking his finger at me. And I'm up there just a preaching, thinking to myself, all right, uh, this platform there's probably about twice as high as this one is. But I'm thinking, if he makes it up on this platform, uh, I'm probably not going to make it. You know, he's probably going to uh, take me out. And, and the whole time I'm sitting here thinking, God, please, somebody, you know, security, somebody step up. And he was standing right in front of me just yelling and, and slinging his finger at me. And I kept thinking at some point somebody's going to step in. And then eventually, I guess, the spirit of something moved him out of the way. And uh, he's moving on. Later on, he comes back in, and someone steers him off to the side. And afterwards, I was like, was anyone in the room paying attention? And they are like, chief of police was sitting on the front row right here. He was, he was not letting him up on that platform, and I was glad to know that no one told me that. The, so anyway, uh, all the while, they're burning something outside, and so the whole building is high as a kite. So I'm not exactly sure what was happening, uh, but the Holy Spirit moved in spite of all that. But uh, Pastor uh, Fabio, what an awesome servant of God. His funeral was the very next day. Uh, and so uh, be much in prayer for El Redentor uh, Baptist Church in Managua, Nicaragua, as they are... Uh, mourning the loss of their pastor and their friend and uh, faithful servant. Uh, looking forward to, uh, we are going to take up a special love offering uh, for his family uh, on the 21st of this month. And uh, we will be delivering that to them and just loving on his family while we're there with our mission team. So be much in prayer for that. i also talking to Pastor Elijah Morar in, uh, in Oradia, uh, Romania. We have a team that will be leaving on July 31st going there. And we are going to be doing uh, children's ministry and children's camps, vacation Bible school uh, in uh, uh, the mountains area of Romania and ministering to Ukrainian refugees, uh, ministering to uh, Romanian children and Hungarian children, and looking forward to ministering those. There are still a few spots on that team if you are interested in going 
Uh, we leave the very last day of July, get back on uh, August the 7th. And if you're interested in being a part of that, please uh, see one of our staff. We'd love to get you more information about how you can be a part of that. This morning, we're wrapping up When Life is Hard, God is Good. Next Sunday, we're starting a series on relationships called Me, We, Us. We'll be dealing, uh, next Sunday is Mother's Day, and so we'll be dealing with mothers or talking and addressing moms, your role in the family relationship, and then we'll be culminating that series on Father's Day. And let me just say, Mother's Day is one of the highest attended Sundays of the year. Everyone wants to be in church with mom on Mother's Day. Father's Day, I don't know what happens, but somehow, you know, it, we just kind of get left out of the equation. But uh, I would encourage you, I want to challenge you to make plans to be in church on Father's Day. I'm not going to say a ton about it, but it will be a day you will not forget. And uh, Mother's Day as well. You want to come next time for Mother's Day. But uh, we have a special treat that we're working on preparing for Father's Day. You will not forget it, and it will be a, a huge challenge to all of us and encouragement uh, to dad and the role that you play in the home. And I uh, so encourage you to make plans to be here. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, we've been discovering the last several weeks, trials are designed to teach us so that our conduct and our character changes. And God works his good through our trials when we pray and when we stay. Oftentimes, the devil tempts us to try to, to run, whether it's from a relationship, whether it's from a, a job, whether it's from a church, where, whatever it may be. And God works his good through our trials when we pray and when we stay. It's so hard to hang in when we cry out to God for help and it seems like heaven is silent. Maybe you've thought, what purpose could my problems serve in my life? Why doesn't God just remove the pain and the suffering? God can't see that I'm already broken. Why does he not remove this pain? I want to propose today that God works his purposes through our problems. Think about the trial that you're in. And just a couple Sundays ago, I, I gave you an assignment and there were several questions. What is the trial that has seemed to just consume you? What is the very thing that seems to be so heavy on the radar and you can't seem to break through the, the pain and the, and the suffering? And folks, God is trying to work his purpose through the problems that we're facing to help us better understand how God works his purpose to our problems. I want us to study a passage on suffering found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul is, is sharing a personal story, a personal illustration. And if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, Paul writes, So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming what, church? Conceited. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Sometimes we read Scripture and we wonder, Lord, why? Why do you allow certain things, certain trials, certain, certain persecutions, certain sufferings to happen in our lives? And, and yet Paul, one of the great heroes of the faith, wrote half the New Testament, is saying, God, would you remove this thorn in my flesh? God, would you heal me? God, would you remove this trial? Would you remove the suffering? And, 
And you didn't choose to do that, God, in your sovereignty and, and your holiness and your awesome power, you chose not to remove that. God, help us this morning to understand that there's purpose in the pain. There's purpose in the suffering. God, would you speak to our hearts? God, would you challenge us? Most importantly, Lord, would you change us? God, help us to take the things we've been learning the last several weeks as we begin to apply them to our lives. God, would we understand the purpose and see that when life is hard, God, you are good. God, you are perfect. You are holy. God, you are just. You are sovereign. You're in control. You're Lord over all. Lord, you love us. You're for us. You care about us. You care about our every need. And Lord, whatever pain and, and suffering we experience in this life pales in comparison to the suffering that you experienced on the cross. And God, as, as we suffer, Lord, may help us not to lose sight of the fact that you are good and you love us. God, would you speak to hearts? Would you challenge and change our hearts, we pray? God, we'll be careful to praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul learned... There is no sin so subtle or pervasive as the ugly sin of pride. In fact, Proverbs 29, 23 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. There's been a lot of discussion about what Paul's thorn in the flesh actually was. And I believe that God chose not to tell us that. In fact, there are many things in Scripture I, I remember studying in, in the book of Genesis years ago as a, as a youth pastor uh, with our students. And I mean, there are so many questions that come to mind. And why didn't God do this? Or why didn't God do that? Or how did he allow you know, Joseph to, to be thrown into prison and, and, and falsely accused? And Daniel, who's so faithful and following God and praying and trusting God, gets thrown into the lion's den. And then the three Hebrew children and over and over and over, and you, you wonder, why does God allow certain things to happen? Why did the children of Israel, as they're wandering in the wilderness, I mean, you know Moses had to throw his hands up and say, God, I can't deal with these people. I mean, they're so crazy. All they do is complain. All they do, and yet God, in his sovereignty, allows certain things to happen. God decided not to tell us, and I don't know why, but I'm, I think... Maybe one of the reasons is so that you and I can apply the thing that we struggle with the most, the thing that seems to become such a burden in our lives and so real, we can somehow identify with one of God's faithful servants and say, God, if Paul was facing struggles and, and he begged God, he pleaded with God, God, would you remove it multiple times? Would you remove this thorn in my flesh? And God chose not to. Okay, God, there's obviously a greater purpose. There's a greater plan. God, there's something that you're trying to perfect in my life. The word that Paul used for thorn referred to a point on a fish hook. And it was also a, a, a sharp stake used for torturing or impaling someone. And it, it was a constant, persistent, painful act a, a, a torment in his life and he also used a, a strong word at the end of the verse he says to harass or to torment me means to beat or strike with the fist 
Folks, it's hard to tell in English, but the tense he, reused, he uses to refer to that thorn was a constant and recurring pain. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, Pastor, the, the trial that I'm facing has been going on for years. There is no relief. It's a constant, never-ending pain. It might be emotional, it might be physical, spiritual, it might be mental, but it's tormenting you right now. And folks, God knows. He knows what can happen to each of us if we get too comfortable in this life. And in fact, in, Ephesians, in Hosea chapter 13, verse 6, it says, When they had grazed, they became full, they were filled, and their heart was lifted up, therefore they forgot You know what happens when life is going so good? The bills are paid. There's money in the bank. The lawn is perfectly mowed. I talk about that. I've got the little stripes going perfectly. The flowers are all blooming. The, there's gas in the, in the gas tank, in the, in the cars. And life is just good. I'm afraid... For far too long, we've been living in a, a land where everything is so good, we don't feel like we need God. Until like a 9-11 happens, and suddenly people are like, where was God on 9-11? The same where he was, same place he was on 9-10, and 9-9, and 9-8, and Y2K, and you start putting, he's always there. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't forsaken us. And then we see a pandemic, the likes of which we've never experienced. And pray to God never happens again. But folks, the reality is, where was God in, in March of 2020? He's still on his throne. Where was God in March of 2021 or 2022? Still sovereign, still holy, still just still in control when all of life seems to be out of control but what happens is oftentimes when life is good our hearts are filled we're full therefore we forget him we forget god we forget that we need him folks the church of jesus christ to experience revival has to deal with some trials some suffering some pain in order that we might cry out to God and say, God, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every, oh, we need him desperately. We need his power. We need his intervention. We need his strength. We need his help. He says, a messenger of Satan. Paul realized that this suffering was a gift from God, even though it was intended by Satan to knock him out of the ring. Some of us may spend a lot of time wondering and worrying about whether Satan is behind something or if it's God, but here's how we can figure it out this morning. Whatever Satan does is ultimately allowed by God, and God will work out his purposes through our problems. Just like in the book of Job, God even uses Satan as his instrument. And Paul says his thorn was so paralyzing, he begged the Lord three times to take it from him. Look at verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. These weren't casual prayers. In fact, if you've read any of Paul's letters, 
Uh, he didn't beat around the bush. In fact, you know, if, if Paul were alive uh, today, the church would be getting a letter. <laughs> Maybe a whole host of letters. And before we look at First and Second Corinthians, say, man, the church at Corinth, those bunch of carnal, heathen, uh, far from God. Uh, can you imagine the church in America? I mean, there would be a, the, a whole nother section of, of the New Testament because we would need so many letters to straighten out all that's going wrong in the church. But Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it should leave me. Some people may think Paul's prayers weren't answered, but actually they were, just not in the way that he thought God would answer. I want you to notice the very first phrase, verse 9, he says, but he said to me, don't miss this church. My grace is what? My grace is what, church? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made what, church? Perfect in what? Weakness. Let's read that phrase one more time. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. It might take a while to understand it. But God works his will most profoundly when we are at our weakest. Grace is God's provision for every single one of our needs, not necessarily our wants. His grace comes to me when I'm in the gutter, when I feel like everyone else has forsaken and, and abandoned me. I think I have to be strong, and yet God does his best work when we're struggling. The phrase made perfect refers to being complete and if you and i want to see god's power in our lives we must first become weak look at the next part of verse 9 he says therefore i will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses that the power of christ may do what church rest upon me i don't know about you but i want to experience the power of god i want to experience his his power in my life and he, if he, I don't know if he called it, he says, weaknesses. It's plural. Many of us have a number of weaknesses. It goes against our, our way of thinking because we tend to boast about our strengths. But God wants us to boast about our weaknesses. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians eleven thirty, 30, he says, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Folks, we have nothing to boast of except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and what he's accomplished on the cross. Paul said he, that he does this so that the Christ power may rest upon me. The rest upon me is filled with the meaning. It literally means to tabernacle upon. In other words, to spread a tent over, like God's Shekinah glory, resting over the tabernacle in the Old Testament. He says, I want to experience... The, the tent, the tabernacle, the, the tent over. I want to experience the glory of God shining down on my life. And Isaiah chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 says, Then the Lord will create over the whole side of Mount Zion, over her assemblies, a cloud by day, and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by the day uh, from the heat and as for a refuge and a shelter from the storm and rain. God's glory and power of Christ are like a canopy resting over us. When we're weak, 
That's the moment his power is on display in our lives. The root for the word power is the word from the English word, we get our English word dynamite, dunamis, which it says there's more. In John 1.14, he says Jesus became God's canopy when he tabernacled over us. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. What's he saying? This is why Paul was able to celebrate in all of his suffering. He says he realized at precisely the very point of his greatest weakness is when he experienced the presence and power of God in a rich and full way. And folks, it's hard to believe it, but there's privilege even in trials and suffering because we experience the presence and power of God in our lives. Verse 10, he says, For the sake of Christ, then am I, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then am I, what church? Strong. He says, when I'm weak, that's actually the very moment I'm the strongest. When I'm drawing on the strength of the Holy Spirit. It's a paradox of pain. The weaker I am, the stronger he is in my life. And Isaiah 40, 29, he says, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength so paul was able to find that purpose in his problems and folks god has a plan he has a plan to use your pain for the purpose of glorifying god how can we find god's purpose in our problems this morning let's look very quickly and i'm going to talk fast i know what exactly what time it is i'm gonna get you out of here for lunch in just a few moments how can we find god's purpose in our problems first of all confess our bitterness to the lord Bitterness will short-circuit God's plan to use our suffering for His glory and for our good. While it's okay to express our concerns, even our anger at times, say, God, I, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're trying to do and, and, and the questions of, of why. It's okay to express that, but we must not allow it to turn into bitterness. I mentioned it a couple other times. Sundays here recently in Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Someone said that bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Think about it. Someone hurts you. They get the promotion that you've worked decades for they bought the house that you had been saving every last dime to buy and i heard a pastor years ago when he was talking about his next door neighbor and he said i'm telling you if there was ever a one-upper it's my next door neighbor and he said every single thing that i did he was one step ahead of me and he said one day, I said, I was so excited. I was so, I mean, just pumped. I, I saved my money and I bought a brand new truck. And he said, I couldn't wait to show my next door neighbor because I knew he didn't have a truck. He said, I could not wait to show him my new truck. And he said, I pulled up in the driveway and 
he said, I, I get out, and he's out cutting his grass, and he said, I, I say, you've got to come see this. I mean, it is top of the line, state of the art. It is in perfect mint condition. He said, he comes over, and he sees that, and he says, did I ever show you my truck? He said, wait a minute. I've never seen a truck, he said. He had a garage in his basement, and he said, he had a mint condition a vintage truck that was like so off the charts cool. He said, I was like, I felt like this small. And he said, I, he said later on, he said, I, I went hunting and he said, I, I got this massive deer. And he said, I had never even heard him talk about hunting before. And he said, all of a sudden, I'm showing him the pictures of this deer. And he said, have you seen my trophy room? He said, he had been to Africa. He had been all over the world and had massive bears and lions and all these things and he said, I could not win. He said, he got under my skin for every single thing. Folks, the reality is, is if we're not, if we're not careful, bitterness will destroy us. This week I, I read the difference between becoming bitter and better is the letter I. Approaching our difficulties from the standpoint of what I want what I have lost, what I think is fair, will embitter us. Bitter eyes can perceive only the injustice and sorrow in our situation. But grateful eyes, however, will always see the grace of God regardless of how difficult our circumstances might be. Is our eyes, are we closed-fisted in anger towards God or are hands lifted up to praise Him? to exalt him, to adore him. Open and, only an open hand receives the blessings that accompany difficult gifts. And sometimes it's only in a package wrapped in pain and heartache that we receive the fullness of God's grace. So put away the bitterness, but then secondly, admit your own arrogance and turn from pride. In what area of, of my life Am I filled with pride? Here's an idea. Instead of boasting about our strengths, start boasting about our weaknesses and how God has demonstrated his power through our problems. If you can't think of your weaknesses, ask your kids. Ask your family. Ask your spouse. <laughs> She'll tell He'll tell you because they're going to be the most honest with you and say, let me tell you a couple of things. And folks, the reality is, is friends, the most dangerous threat to our faith is our pride. James 4, 6 says he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In my notes, I type, he gives grave to the humble. But anyway, it's the word, it's the word grace. But hardships keep us humble. If you think about it, it's an act of arrogance to demand that God owes us an explanation for why we're going through trials and suffering. God owes us nothing. We deserve nothing. Richard Baxter said this, suffering so unbolts the door of the heart that the word hath easier entrance. God wants to work in our lives. And so as he's opening up the doors of our heart to be able to receive the grace of God, folks, it's a beautiful thing. Then thirdly, keep on praying as long as you can. Pray with passion. Pray with persistence. Sometimes people will say, will you pray for this person in my family? I'm like, what's their name? You know why? Because if I have a name, I'm more likely to remember 
and, and persistently go before the throne of God. And Folks, when someone asks you to pray, stop and pray right then. Pray right there on the, on the matter because, folks, you never know how it touches the heart and tugs at the heart of God. Keep praying persistently. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to, know, to show us that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Folks, it's easier to sing about this than it is to live it. But folks, as we were just singing about the, another one in the fire, every single time, folks, we look back and we see God was there. He was there every single step of the way. He helped us through the, the, the deep waters and through the fiery trials. Then fourthly, give God the right to say no to you. In the whole scope of things, God always, he already has the right to say no, but folks, it's important for us to admit it. I love the model of Jesus, which Paul seemed to have followed. And in Mark 14, verse 36, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. But he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus knew exactly the pain. He knew the suffering that was to come. But folks, just because we're going through trials and hardships and not experiencing prosperity, so to speak, does not mean that God is against us or somehow we don't have faith to claim God's favor, folks. Suffering happened to Paul and to Jesus, not because they were out of God's will, but because they were in his will. Folks, we face those struggles. Then fifthly, treat your trial as a gift from God. Think about the, the, the biggest trial that you've experienced and thank God for it. Here's a practical hint. Don't trust your feelings. They lead us astray every single day. I don't feel like going to church. You know what? Some Sundays, I don't either. In fact, this morning when my alarm went off, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. It can't be time to get up. There's no way if I could turn over and go back to sleep and no one would even know and I could just forget. No. There's moments in our life we have to say, God, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you, God. Treat it as a gift from God. You won't feel joyful or grateful or full of trust normally. But folks, don't judge your circumstances by your feelings. Judge your circumstances by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. Corey Tim Boone was in a German concentration camp. She recorded her sister's words. She says, there's no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. In the midst of our suffering, our trials, Jesus is there. He understands these great trials give us hope. It give us hope that God means a great benefit to us. Seeing things God's way doesn't cancel our trials. It doesn't turn them into non-trials, but it does transform our evaluation of those trials. You'll view them differently. Why? Because you believe that God intends through them to accomplish His purposes 
in our life. I want you to keep these two truths in mind this week. Struggles are sent from the Lord, and they are necessary for our spiritual growth. They're sent from the Lord, and they're necessary for our spiritual growth. That first statement reflects a high view of God's sovereignty. And I love what Dr. Tony Evans said. He says, everything is either caused by God or allowed by God, and there is no third category. It's either caused by God or allowed by God, and there's no third category. And folks, someone said this about a trial, accept it, and it will become a heavenly blessing. Fight it, and it will become a heavy burden. Accept it, and it becomes a heavenly blessing, or fight it, and it becomes a heavy burden. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he says, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. He says, indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And the church says amen to that. He says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we've set our hope that he will deliver us again. 2005, the Washington Post conducted a major survey of Hurricane Katrina survivors who round up as refugees in Houston. And we have people in our church that moved here after Katrina. Ask about their faith in God. Remarkably, 81% said the ordeal had strengthened their faith. While only 4% said it weakened it. Then lastly, see your suffering as a means to minister to others. Paul wanted this thorn removed so that he could get on with his ministry. And, and if you remember, Paul chose to remain single. Why? Because he was better able to accomplish the ministry that God had called him to. And so he chose to remain single. So he's like, God, if you would just remove this thorn, I could get busy with more future missionary journeys that you called me on. And Randy Elkhorn said this, he says, through suffering we become powerless so that we might reach the powerless. He said our suffering makes Jesus visible to the world Suffering creates a sphere of influence for Christ that we couldn't otherwise have. Friends, sickness and pain and suffering does not have to knock us out of the derby. Paul certainly understood this. He understood the race of life. And Galatians 4.13 says, You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. He always wanted to go to Rome but folks, he didn't, <laughs> didn't know how God would use the door, but it would be in a prison cell that God would use him in even greater capacity. Second Corinthians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Say, Pastor, what's the application? God has a purpose 
that he is trying to perfect in each of our lives. In church, he's working those things all together for our good and for his glory. We must learn to trust him, that his ways, his plans are higher than our own church. We must trust him. The following prayer was found on the body of a, of a dead Civil War soldier. He said, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked God for help that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need for God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing that I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost despite myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am among men most richly blessed. I wonder this morning, are you able to finally surrender to God's purpose in your suffering? And when you come to an intersection, sometimes there's a, a triangle sign that's kind of upside down. It has the word yield on it. You get to that sign and it means sometimes we have to stop. We have to submit. We have to surrender because someone else has the right of way. And folks, when we're facing trials, when we face pain, we face suffering, oftentimes God is trying to get us to yield to his authority. Understanding he is in control. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is just. And if we'll stop, if we'll be still, if we'll surrender, if we'll yield, folks, God's perfect plan can be accomplished in your life and mine. What's holding you back? Isn't it time to Break your will and surrender to Jesus for salvation, for service. Tell him it, you can't go any further on your own. And aren't you thankful this morning God's grace is sufficient for us? It's in our weakness that the power of Christ rests upon us. And I love how Paul concludes verse 10. He says, for the sake of Christ then... He says, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. He says, for when I am weak, then I'm strong. You see, church, when life is hard, God is good. And folks, I want to give you an opportunity this morning as we stand our feet in just a moment. Heads are bowed eyes are closed why not just surrender lay it at the foot of the cross lay it at the altar God 
I want you to be glorified in my life. God, I, I confess any pride, any bitterness, any wrong thinking on my part, God, I give it to you and I, I surrender completely. God, I want you to take my life and I want you to be glorified in it. God, whatever struggles that have, have been holding me back, God, I give those to you. I yield completely to you. Why? So that the power of Christ can rest upon us. If it would help you to come front, down front, our pastors will be down front. We will, we'd love to pray with you. You can kneel at the altar. You can, you can sit at your seat this morning. You can pray right where you're at. But leave this morning surrendering whatever the suffering, whatever the trial to the Lord completely. God, I want you to have full control. There's something freeing about surrendering our will, our plans, our purpose, and allowing Him to be glorified in our trials and our suffering. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning, as we conclude and wrap up this series,